Hey everyone, it's Jackie from Canada from a series of Horrors podcast. Are you looking for a way to support our show or have a product or brand you're looking to promote? Contact us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at seriesofhorrorspodcast and you can hear your ad here. Hello and welcome to a series of horrors. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. And welcome everyone to season two. We have made it. We have. We have moved on. And now we're covering paranormal activity. Yes, we are. So the tables have somewhat turned where this is a series I like. and I. But I've only seen the first three, to be honest. I haven't seen anything past that. And Jeff, this is your first time actually finishing the first movie, right? Yeah, because I think I've seen bits and pieces of the first movie. But while watching it, I remember nothing, like, watching it wise. I just happen to have seen, like, reviews of it and people talking about it. So I know the story. I just didn't actually sit through the hour and a half of this movie with five minutes of action in it. <laughs> That's a very fair claim. Uh, I first watched this movie before. Four, I think it would. It had just come out in the theaters, maybe. Uh, my friend and I, we downloaded an illegal stream of it and watched it. And we got to see the original movie, not the theatrical one. And I think that is the better version. There were a couple of things that were different about it, including spoilers for the rest of the movie, uh, including that there's a scene where Mika shows Katie this video of uh, a woman that was possessed in the 60s. That video was way longer and way more disturbing. She It shows her biting off her own arm. And it was really intense and really creepy. And then also the ending was different in it. And I actually enjoyed the original ending as opposed to what they did with the, the theatrical release. But I'll tell you all about the endings when we get there. This was, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> As you can hear from Jeff's voice, he was not a fan. <laughs> oh, I was not. I was bo- bored, I guess. I just kept getting texts of, when does it get good? Like, what's happening? Like, an hour in, Jackie, when is something going to happen in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, this movie reminded me of why we don't like watching people's home movies. Because that's all I was watching. I was like, hey, look, home movies for an hour. And nothing is happening. I liked it. I saw it for the first time, as I said, with my friend. We watched it at night, like, in a very dark room. And tension was very high because I had no idea what this movie was at that point. It was just getting into theaters. And all I heard was that people were finding it scary. So you're waiting on edge for, like, every single scene and hyper aware of everything. And it made it a very tense watch. On top of which, as I mentioned in our last episode, some of the things they describe as the haunting that they're going through they used to happen to me and my siblings and my parents in our house and so it really got under my skin in that way because (laughs) it was just like oh we thought that like you know maybe our place was haunted but this thing's saying that it's demons (laughs) like ah so it's way worse (laughs) yeah i think what got me with this movie was that i lived through the blair witch thing they did the same thing this movie did maybe 15 years earlier give or take so when blair witch came out in the innocent days of 99 or 2000 or whatever it was the first like two or three months before the movie was released it was all there was documentaries well full documentaries now but going back it was like oh we found these tapes they really played up the fact that this was real at the time and these people relatively relatively unknown just like this movie so i did the same thing i'm in college 
I get an illegal download of this movie and I watch it maybe two or three weeks before it hit theaters. And I'm watching it and I was all caught up in the hype because, you know, none of the news had really come out yet that it was all, all stage and all an act. We all thought it was real. So I just, I think I me living through that already and just being caught up in that hype kind of diminished this one so much because it's so similar. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I obviously had seen Blair Witch before this. I think I've told you before the story of me first watching Blair Witch. I first watched it at my friend's house uh, and she lived on this property that was surrounded by the woods. And our parents had like gone out to dinner, left us alone and we're watching the Blair Witch. And we're fucking freaking out. <laughs> like We're like, this is really intense. This is really scary. We're surrounded by woods. Ah! And then right at one of the heightened parts, I think it was at the end when they're like in the house and like she's just like screaming, trying to find Josh, was it? I can't remember who's, but anyways. And we're like on high alert, like freaking out. And all of a sudden the basin door just like slams open. We're like, what? And it turns out that her brother, who like was this massive stoner, had just like passed out downstairs and was just waking up for the day and like <laughs> coming upstairs, but we didn't know he was home. <laughs> Scared as shitless. Oh my God. Oh God. Should we get into this film? Let's get into what's going on with the Blair Witch West Coast. <laughs> Are they on the West Coast? What did they guess? Oh, yeah, San Diego. They're in San Diego. Okay. The film opens with some text. Yay. It was not good text. It was just very average text. Oh, I, before we get started, I do have a question. So if this, since this is a found footage movie, would this entire movie be tape time? That's what I was thinking right before we started to record. I'm like, am I? do I sing right before we start the movie? <laughs> it's a tape time, like from frame one, tape time, and then it ends. Yeah, I, I think so. That's the only way yeah. that this makes sense. That's it. That's all we got. All right. <laughs> but the film opens. It's a white text on a black screen, and it says Paramount Pictures would like to thank the families of Mika uh, Sloat and Katie Featherson and the San Diego Police Department. We then immediately cut to some home video footage. And it's of a living room. We see some metal band playing on the TV. And then we see Mika for the first time filming himself in the mirror. He then answers a phone call quickly and then heads outside to greet Katie, his girlfriend, who's pulling up in her white convertible. She comments on the camera and says, that's new. How much did you spend on it? Whatever. And like, she's just like, why are you filming me so much? This is just weird. And he explains that he has to film the paranormal experiences that are happening. Maybe it's the neighbor kids, but maybe it's something serious happening. And Katie says that this has been happening since she was eight years old. So she doubts it's the neighbor kids. He says that he's going to be filming them sleeping. And she's just like, really? No, <laughs> I'm not down for this. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah, she's just like. I, Mika asked if uh, she has any tricks to make stuff happen, and she's saying that she doesn't want to make stuff happen. We then cut to Mika playing his guitar, and then Katie hears some sort of strange noise. Mika goes to investigate. It's the ice maker. Super exciting. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. We then get Mika being a pervert, which happens quite often in this movie. He's asking Katie for a striptease. She's like knitting, and she's just waving her knitting needles at him. No, no. <laughs> I will not be doing this. We uh, cut to Mika setting up the camera in the bedroom and Katie's suggesting that they should film facing down the hallway because that's where they keep hearing footsteps. And that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Katie at least has logical points throughout all of this. Mika, however, we'll get into that. Mika just trying to make put on the show. That's all he's trying to do the entire movie. Yeah, he's just the worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. 
Well, speaking of him being the worst, he tries to be a pervert again, asking Katie if they can make a sex tape, and she's just not impressed, and it's like, no, no, we can't. We then cut to the first night of footage, where it's night vision camera, we see the the time at 2.08 a.m., and we hear some soft footsteps and a soft clank. The next morning, Katie finds that her keys are on the floor, which explains that soft clank. Mika's being super immature in the pool, and Katie is sarcastically saying that that is her favorite quality about him. We're just setting up Mika here for being the worst. I love how she has a boyfriend with zero redeeming qualities. I, I already told you, but like several times in my notes, I just ended up writing like, why is she with him? Why? Why hasn't she left him yet? Like, I, I have nothing. I don't get it. That girl must be digmatized. Who knows? She might be. Maybe that's his good quality. That's the one good quality he has. One good quality. <laughs> okay, so Katie says that there's a psychic coming, and Mika's making jokes uh, about the psychic. He starts playing some dumb, creepy music and asking if the psychic can give him any tips for betting on horses, etc. He then starts complaining that the psychic's late, and he should have been able to tell that there would be traffic. Can't lie. That was funny. I appreciated that. That, that reminded me of the one time I tried to visit a psychic. There was like a psychic in my hometown, and like I'd passed it for years and years and years. So finally, me and my friends in high school, we decided we were going to go to the psychic. We walk up and there's a note on the door that like you have to call. Like the door's like locked. So like, we're like, wait, what? Doesn't she know we're here? <laughs> and we called and she didn't answer. That was she it. does. That's why she left you a note because she knew you were coming. Listen, I'm just going to leave this note because I don't want to deal with these people. I don't I know what's going to happen. I don't like it. So I'm just going to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to deal with some high schoolers coming just to make fun of me either. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> See, no, fair enough. She's like, oh, man, this is, uh, I don't have the patience for it today. So they could keep their 20 bucks. I'm just going to. Anyways, with the psychic, they they start like an interview with them. He wants to know more about them and what's been happening. He finds out that they've been together for three years. Katie's a student. She's studying to be a teacher. And Mika is a day trader. They're both of good health and they aren't on any medication. The psychic says that usually the things that they've reported happening have a simple explanation like a squeaky house or rattling pipes. I don't know what a squeaky house is. That house wouldn't be a squeaky house. I believe it's what they used to call, like in the older horror movies, the, the house is just settling. You know, it's like oh, the wood house okay. is expanding, contracting because of the weather in the wood. I mean, most houses have a frame of wood, at least within the walls. Not mine. Really? Yeah. No, not mine. Yeah. Hmm. We had the house built, so it's all uh, cinder block. All Very interesting. Oh, well, it's Florida, so the hurricanes and stuff. We wanted something a little bit more uh, secure. Did I ever tell you the ridiculous lie my mother told? me as a child because I am an anxious person. I don't know if you've been able to tell that yet, but I am. As a child, I was very scared about tornadoes. I saw the movie Twister and I was afraid that we were going to get like a tornado and die. So she told me that because we lived in a town called Richmond Hill, she's like, don't worry, the tornado can't get us here because we're on a hill. I believed this lie until I was in high school and repeated it to someone and then was like, wait, that makes no sense. And they're just looking at me like, are you really that dumb? And I'm like, my mom told me this and I just believed her. Why would my mom lie to me about this? This was very serious. The tornadoes were coming. Anyways... But she was right. Tornadoes didn't make it up the hill. I would say something. It's too snowy here. They don't come where it's snowy. To be completely fair, I never had to deal with a tornado warning in Richmond Hill. It was when I moved to Kingston that we would have to deal with like tornadoes all the time. But anyways. Maybe she was right. Maybe she was right. Uh, Kingston's hilly too. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Kingston Hills. It's Richmond Hills. So that's like... Uh. 
Meanwhile, the psychic, he says that, yeah, people are just getting freaked out about their house settling, whatever. And usually these things are due to heightened stress. He asks Katie, like, when this started happening to her. And she says that it's been happening to her since before they moved in. It started when she was eight years old. She used to share a bedroom with her five-year-old sister, Christy. They would have shared experiences. Katie would feel the breathing, is what she says, and it would wake her up. Then she would wake up Christy, and Katie would see a shadowy mass at the end of her bed. And it was always at the end of her bed, never at her sister's. Her sister would see it too, and then they would be too terrified to move. This would happen in their first house, and then that house mysteriously burned down, and they lost everything. It was never established what started the fire. The haunting continued on periodically throughout her life from the age of 13 on. Over the past few weeks, it started again. The psychic says that it seems they're dealing with something connected to Katie, and they start this tour of the house. Katie says that the kitchen lights have been flickering uh, and that the water from the faucet will just like turn on by itself and turn off. They'll hear banging and scratching sounds dragging down the walls, which is something that used to happen in my bedroom all the time. Oh, that's just creepy. All right. Oh, so my bedroom growing up when I was 13. I first off, it started as scratching at my door at 3 a.m. every single night. Now we had two cats, so I would go and open the door to see if it was the cats. But the way that uh, our house was set up, my bedroom was right at the top of the stairs and the stairs were in the middle of the house and they went straight down. And we had their cat beds kind of right at the foot of the stairs and they would be sitting in their cat beds like they had been asleep. And when I opened the door, they would like look up at me like sleepily and be like, why are you opening the door at 3 a.m.? I'm like, okay, so you weren't the one scratching at my door. Interesting. Cats could be jerks. Just saying. But like I had woken them up clearly. You can tell when you've woken up a cat. I don't know. They were just playing it off. They were trying to, they were playing jokes on you. I don't know. So then my friend who I had watched the Blair Witch Project with, she used to come and stay with us for summers. And uh, I had gone to bed before her one night. And then at 3 a.m. she jumps on my bed and she's like, there's something scratching at your door and it's not your cats. I'm like, oh yeah, that happens. (laughs) Yeah. Then it started scratching through my walls. And then one night I have like my headboard against uh, a big double window and it just started scratching and dragging all around the window in the perfect frame. It was really creepy. But anyways, that's part of my haunting story. Also, oh the shadowy figures at the end of the bed. That's what all my family would see. Oh. And by the way, that was better than anything that happened in this movie, just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. Where were we? Yes, the scratch of the walls. Yes, the psychic. <laughs> the, the wonderful, wonderful psychic, which has to be one of my favorite characters in this movie. Because he has two things. Like, hmm, what's happening? Ooh, I can't help you. And I got to go. That's all he does. (laughs) They go upstairs and he just guesses, hmm, this is where all the activity must be. And it's their bedroom. And I'm like, yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is where the magic happens. That's what Mika should have said. Micah. Mika. 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 I'm going to call him Micah a bunch. But yes. I know you are. (laughs) Like, yeah, all over this room, Doc. You know it. Hey. Just like a Cribs episode. Yeah, while he shotguns a beer, probably. And it's just, like, <laughs> just mad. so I'm picturing him doing shotgun a beer and high fiving people when he's not filming. <laughs> okay, well, Katie says that she'll hear whispering sometimes. Either she won't be able to understand it, or other times it's her name. The psychic looks disturbed at that, uh, that it's calling out to her in specific, and asks Mika if he's heard this. Mika says uh, that it just could be him talking in his sleep. <laughs> sure. And Katie says that she can tell the difference uh, between a whisper distinctly in her ear on the opposite side of where Mika sleeps and Mika saying her name. And he's like, 
You sure? You sure you can? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. He just like continually tries to gaslight her throughout the entire movie. He's like, no, are you sure that you're experiencing these things? I think you're just crazy. <laughs> like, hmm, I don't think this is happening the way you're saying it's happening. No. I don't yeah, think I, you said what you said you said. No, no, that's not. I mean, I caught it on video and stuff, but hmm, is it really happening though? Yeah, I don't think so. No, no. I think you need to reevaluate your life choices there, um, Katie. Um, Seriously. But anyways, the psychic's not impressed that they're videotaping and doing all this stuff. Katie also mentions that the lights have been flickering in the guest bedrooms that we never see more than this like little glimpse of a giant teddy bear in one of the bedrooms they should have played the teddy bear in this movie should have been like walking around the house or some, something they i don't know just like been like annabelle and just shown up in different like positions around the house screw it yeah one day mika should have woken up to the teddy bear next to him or something i don't know i just cuddling him <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Stroking his hair or something. Just Mika is asking the psychic if there's any way to make it act up more. And Katie's just not impressed with him at all. The psychic says that the thing feeds on negative energy. So Mika says that Katie's mom shouldn't come around anymore. (laughs) Which is a great line. But doesn't make sense with the sequels at all. Because, spoiler alert, Katie's mom is dead. Oh, that's hilarious. No, that is funny. (laughs) The psychic says that he personally deals with ghosts, not demons. They have a demon issue, so he can't help them. He gives them the contact of a demonologist, and Mika asks if it would help if he got a Ouija board and find out exactly what this thing wants and then do whatever it will help it. And the psychic says it likely wants Katie... And if you do that and start playing games, it will think that you're trying to communicate with it and things will get worse. Then the psychic leaves and Mika's like, yeah, he's full of fucking shit. (laughs) He's like, no, so I'm gonna get that Ouija board now. Just pretty much. He looked me in the face and said, no, it's going to make it worse. And we know what it wants. It's it's calling your name, but I'm still going to do this Ouija board thing because I'm Mika and and I just have my coin net shirt on all day and I know what to do. He's the worst. Okay. Oh, so Katie's not impressed with Mika, but she's hopeful with the new information and she's going to call the demonologist tomorrow. Mika starts begging her not to call and telling her that it's stupid, whatever. So she says that she will call only if it gets worse. I'm like, oh, Katie, just follow your own gut. This has been happening to you since you were eight years old. Like, And I'm watching this movie and it's like, he's like, don't call a demonologist because I'm going to record things instead because that's going to solve our problems. Like, yeah. He has zero plan of how to make things anything better. It's just- exactly. He's not like, yeah, I'm going to solve it all by doing these things. It's no, I'm going to film it. And then it will prove that it's not actually happening or that it is happening. I'm going to film it. And since he's camera shy, if I catch him on film, he'll go away. And that's my plan. He doesn't like to be on camera. And that's going to solve our problems. Ta-da. And then we'll never be able to stop filming ourselves for the rest of our lives. Otherwise, he'll come back. That might be what that might have been his master plan all along. He's ahead of the curve. New reality show. He, see, he was he was not nah, Big Brother was before this, wasn't it? Yeah, so that, that's yeah. how to go. Oh, then I have nothing. No. <laughs> you see, he got rejected from Big Brother because he was like he was not the right type of douche. <laughs> Yeah. He wasn't uh, he wasn't douchey enough. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I would I would argue that he is douchey enough. He just isn't like the right kind of douche. Mika then continues to try to be pervy again and unconsensually film them having sex, and lies to her and is like, "That's the standby light." And she's like, "I'm not a fucking idiot, Mika." We then cut to the night three footage at two o nine a.m. We hear footsteps and then the door moves back and forth. 
The next day, Mika is going over the footage and shows Katie that around 2.10 a.m., the door moves by itself. He checked. There are no open windows or doors in the entire house to create a draft. The flowers on Katie's nightstand aren't moving, but the door is. Yeah, all of a sudden, he becomes one. Of the, he becomes a, a detective. Like, look, these flowers aren't moving. The door's creaking an inch and then creaks back. It reminded me of Truth Seekers. Like, Listen, we have this videotape of this door closing slowly over 19 hours. Time lapse. That was nine, n- nine or 19. I can't remember what it was, but like hours of time for the door. This was within seconds. So, you know, I think they might have something here. No. Just not interesting enough for Jeff. Because <laughs> it could have still been a draft. I don't know. They have very nice and powerful AC in this house. Now, if the teddy bear would have opened and closed the door, that would have been something. I can't wait to hear all your fixes for this movie. <laughs> okay. He's asking Katie if she can get the ghost to come back for some more interesting footage. And once again, she says she doesn't want to do that. She just wants it to go away. We cut to Mika playing his guitar again. And then Katie screams this blood curdling scream and tells him to come immediately. He goes and grabs the camera and runs to meet her into the in the bathroom. There's a spider on the floor. And Katie's upset that he grabbed the camera before coming to see what was wrong. I love how the spider gets so much screen time, too. It's just like, it's a spider. Let me frame it correctly, zoom in really close, then zoom out, then zoom back in, then put the camera over here. It's just all right. The camera should have got its own, I mean, not the camera, the spider should have got a credit in this movie. Um, I think it did, yeah. Its name was Charlotte. Um. Nice. Nice. It deserved. I hope she I hope she got work after this. Okay. Uh, we cut to Mika. He's taunting the spirit before he goes to bed, asking him, that, like, oh, is that it? You can only move a door? Nah. Like, yeah, what's wrong, bro? You can't. What you looking at, bro? Come on. Yeah. So all you can do is move a door? Come on. Do you even lift? I'm like, come on. We cut to Mika in bed, and he's reading this, like, child's picture book of demons. <laughs> there were no words. There were just pictures in this thing exactly like it looked like a coloring book really but of demons he's like i'm doing my research katie god yeah pop up pull the tab but he's actually saying that he's like yeah i've been doing research in this coloring book and (sighs) trying to figure out it's a ghost or a demon and katie's like well the psychic already said it was a demon like and whatever's following me it doesn't feel human it feels like a monster that wants to hurt me and Mika's like, hmm, yeah, you know, my hypothesis is that, yes, it might be a demon. She's but like, I don't know. But but you're, it's, it's happening to you. But you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go back to this coloring book that has all the answers. Hold on. I'm going to um, flip, flip. Now, does it feel like it's this kind of demon with this, like, goat head and women's tits? Or does it look like... <laughs> oh, Mika. He says that, you know, demons, they're not human. <laughs> they're... <laughs> Good going, guy. Yep. They're malevolent, malevolent, why can't I say that word? Malevolent evil spirits that only exist to cause pain and commit evil for their own amusement. They stalk people for years, even decades. Sometimes they're very intelligent in the way that they do things to freak you out. I want to know where he's finding all of this in the coloring book. <laughs> it was in the forward, like, or in the back, like, you know, welcome, bring your coloring book. By the way, demons are this. Ah. <laughs> Okay. But that is he's just paraphrasing what the psychic guy said. Like, oh, it's a demon. I deal with ghosts because I deal with people that have trouble passing on. This is something not a person. It's a demon. Deuces, I gotta go. You're screwed. You're on your own. And then, then he leaves. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, well, I wasn't going to trust that guy at all. I'm going to okay. trust this coloring book. This coloring book I got at Walmart, I'm telling you, it was it was marked off. It was in clearance. But mm-hmm. I think this is, this is where it's at. Yep. It has all the answers. <laughs> Uh, He says that 
This is a rare phenomenon, and it's super cool that we caught it on tape. Katie's just like, wow, I'm glad that you're so excited about this, but I'm not because I'm the one being terrified. And she understands that this stuff is new to him and therefore exciting in some ways, but it's not new to her and she thinks it could be dangerous. And if it gets worse, she doesn't want to mess with the cameras anymore. She already should be like, listen, the cameras aren't really helping. They're not hurting, but they're not helping. So I don't see the point of this. Exactly. What is the point of filming it. Oh, and is this the part where they have a fight over why Omega gets mad because she didn't tell him that she was being chased by a demon all her life before they moved in together? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Mika says okay. uh, she didn't warn him about the stuff before moving in with him, so he gets a say in how they handle it. I love this. I love the logically the kind of gymnastics that it takes for you to to make it from A to B to that on that thought train is incredible. It's like, listen, you didn't tell me, so now it's what I say on how to take care of it. Boom. Yep. Case closed. This is happening to you more so than it's happening to us, <laughs> and therefore I should be making the choices here. Because you didn't tell me about it because you're selfish. So I'm going to handle it from here on out because you can't be trusted. I hate Mika. And then she's still trying to logic it out. Like, when was I supposed to tell you on our first day? Hey, hey, I'm being chased by a demon. Like, no, but maybe on our 30th date or before you move in, maybe just bring it up. Before bed, Mika checks that all the windows are shut. He then sets the alarm that's like in their bedroom, which is super cool. I would like my alarm system to be in my bedroom so that when I forget to set it, I don't have to like be like, and like trudge out of my bed back downstairs to the door and set it. No, well, we have here in my house. We have like the like like the, the keyless entry, like the car fobs things. We have one of those. Ooh. Keep them the nice thing. Just like beep beep. You know, it doesn't do the beep beep like the cars do, but still, same thing. Very fancy. <laughs> but you gotta press with your pinky up if you do that, because it's so fancy. <laughs> you gotta become British. That's how fancy. You have it to. Is. <laughs> you have a choice. <laughs> and and adjust your monocle before doing it. And that's it. Just not adjust, press the button, go to sleep. <gasps> He says that everything's locked and alarmed, so they'll know that if if anything gets in. And Katie's like, I don't think that it cares about that stuff. It can go anywhere it wants. Whatever's happening, it's already here. And Mika, the look at us is like, I hear you, but I don't believe you. I know what I'm doing here. I'm looking how this become the, the Bash Bika podcast. At least he's going to bash him. I mean, there's not a single thing that he does that makes sense in this movie. Not a single thing. I was telling you, or like when, before we started recording, when I was, actually, when I was texting you, like, it makes sense in these horror movies where somebody, they're trying to make things better and they accidentally make things worse. That you see a lot. You, but this guy is like actively chasing his own death. And I don't, and, I, mm-hmm. and he's such a I'm happy when he finds it, but still, it's just the worst. Oh, God, this dude. I mean, I understand the perspective of perhaps a person who does not believe in this shit and thus is like, oh, this is all a big fucking joke. But then, you know... I would say after this night, like night five, you realize, oh, there is weird shit happening that we can't explain. Okay, maybe I start believing my girlfriend who I supposedly love. Maybe. Yeah, but... Nah, that's 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 you're, you're crazy talk, Jackie. That's crazy talk. I don't know what you're talking about. That's that don't make any kind of logical sense. I don't know what's going on. As Karen Kilgarev from My Favorite Murder says, "Toxic masculinity ruins the party again." <laughs> that it does. <sighs> okay, so night five. It is two fifty-five a.m. And Katie just like shoots up gasping from a nightmare and just freaking out that she had this terrible nightmare. And then there's this huge crashing crashing noise downstairs. Mika gets up to investigate, and Katie begs him not to leave her alone, so he hands her the camera, and he's like, follow me. 
they find nothing. And then Mika starts taunting and saying, is that all you got? Next day, Katie is freaked out still. And she has her friend over. They're working on beating. And Mika interrupts to say he wants to show them something. Katie says that they're having some much needed girl time and they don't want to be interrupted with Mika and his camera. But he's like, what the fuck? And Katie interrupts him with my favorite line she has in the movie, which is like, hey, you be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that anytime someone says what the fuck to me from now on. Hey, you be sweet. I don't think Mika knows knows what those words mean when they're put together like that. You mean like candy? I'm confused. Uh, Mika brings them over to the computer. He's isolated the audio from the tape 10 seconds before Katie woke up. And there's this deep voice saying something that's garbled and it's not in English. Mika says he wants to get a Ouija board. And both women immediately are like, oh, fuck no. (laughs) You'll be inviting it in. He says, like, the D-bag he is, is my note. Just let me do my thing. Come on, I know what I'm doing. Come on, let me have this. Katie begs him to promise her that there will be no Ouija board, and he promises he won't buy one. He cut to Mika taunting the thing before bed again. He's like, what you got? I'm calling you out. Your demon's worthless. Let's go. Outside. I'm going to take him outside to the backyard. Come on. Turn my baseball cap around to the back and go outside and fight him. <laughs> Sandbox, four o'clock. Be there. Let's, let's go. That's it. We've jumped forward to night. 13. And at 3.13 a.m., there's a thud and a small dragging noise that wakes up Katie. Mika asks what's up. She says she thought she heard something. It was a thud. Maybe it came from downstairs. She sits up and she looks out the door and down the hall. Suddenly, this loud growl and huge thunk like happens. And Katie falls back on the bed, screaming and crying in fear. Then they go out to investigate, and their chandelier is swinging, uh, and nothing else is out of place. Back in the bedroom, they both hear something, but I can't hear it. Could you hear it? I couldn't hear anything either. Yeah, they're like, do you hear that? I'm like, no, no, I don't hear that. (laughs) I turned my volume up on my TV, like, all the way, and I'm like, I can't remember if there's a jump scare here, and I really hope there isn't now, because (laughs) now my volume's up so loud. The the neighbors will be having a jump scare, too, at that point. (laughs) I really, truly feel bad for my neighbors sometimes when I'm doing these watches because like, I'll rewind a scene like three times and it, I have it relatively loud and it will just be like blood curdling screaming like three times over and over and over again. <laughs> like, sorry, I just needed to figure out exactly what happened. <laughs> One day the Mounties are going to show up at your door like, hello, um, we got a call that blood curling screams oh man but yeah if if something were to happen i feel like my neighbors are like oh yeah there's always screams coming from that apartment i don't know <laughs> you expect me to call you every time i heard screaming from that apartment come on i'd be on the phone with you more than my family that makes no sense yeah because i was watching some you know me always true crime documentaries i was watching one and it was about these neighbors who heard a really loud thud and then they heard this like a soft child's voice saying either no or help me, but they couldn't tell. And so they decided to go knock on the door to see if everything was okay. And then they could hear someone was behind the door and they could hear that somebody locked the door, but no one answered it. And then they called the cops and whatever. And I'm like, huh, I feel like there are things always thudding in my apartment because I'm accident prone and like drop things every five seconds. Also have a cat who like jumps around and like runs every which way. And then there's also blood curdling screams coming from my apartment all the time. My neighbors would never call the cops. I don't think your neighbors like you very much. Is it going to be my new guest now? <laughs> probably not. They're probably super happy I'm moving out. <laughs> okay, where were we? Um, I don't remember. 
Oh, Mika being a jerk. Go. I mean, Mika's always a jerk. <laughs> oh, the chandelier was swinging, and then they're back in the bedroom, and they both hear something, but we couldn't, you and I could not hear what it was. They can't figure out what it is. They get back in bed, and they're still hearing it, but they don't know what it is. The next morning, Mika is all excited, and Katie's upset that he doesn't take this more seriously. Maybe they shouldn't have the cameras. Mika says they have to film all this. It's cool shit. And Katie's like, cool? Aren't you scared? He's like, nah, he hasn't tried to fight me once. Why would I be scared? Come on, and I, I could take him. The only thing he admits to is like, he's a little, it's a little bizarre. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. She says that it sounded like that strange noise was coming from like the walls or the ceilings, maybe the floor. None of this was happening before they had the cameras. And Katie just seems really done with the, like the whole camera thing. We cut to Mika. He's doing an EVP experiment. So this is something that we do on our tours every once in a while. And the way that he was doing this, it's not how you do an EVP experiment. <laughs> also, Mika got it wrong. I'm shocked. Yeah, imagine, right? He just likes on firing off questions and not waiting for an answer. Because in theory, and I say this with like heavy quotations around it, in theory, the spirit needs to be able to gain up energy enough to like make an audible response. So you have to give it some time to A, get that energy and B, be able to answer the question you just asked it so you should wait like at least a minute between questions but he's just immediately firing these things off is there anybody here where did you come from where did you go where did you come from god and i joe no um <laughs> beat me to it but yeah <laughs> uh do you have anything oh sorry do you have something to say in english this time would you be happier talking with a ouija board what is your quest <laughs> I wish that one would have been a big answer. I wish it would have been, well, I, I'm here to save the princess. I don't know, something just would have been great. Yeah, like, Excalibur, that is what I am after. <laughs> just, what is your quest? Oh, it's a holy quest. Got it. All right. <laughs> or like just some holy grail quotes. <laughs> what is your favorite color is his last question. <laughs> he had the coloring book. He wanted to know if he could color them in the right way. I get it. That I part think so. Sense. Yeah. He was just like, what, what color do you prefer to be drawn in? Hmm? Come on, I want to make sure that you're happy when, when, when I draw you. What about your eyes? Like, red? Should we go for a red? Yeah, I think red works. Red. Yeah, I think it's uh, Mika. We then cut to him going over the audio on his computer, and then he finds that there's this animalistic grunt after he asks about the Ouija board, and he takes that to mean that it wants to talk to him on a Ouija board. We cut to nighttime. Katie's like all tucked up into bed and she asks him if they can watch a movie instead. She doesn't want to go to sleep yet because she's scared. We then cut to the night vision camera. It's night 15 at 1.36 a.m. Katie sits up in bed and she looks very like disoriented and tired still. She gets out of bed and turns and stands beside the bed staring at Mika until 3.30 a.m. Then slowly she heads down the stairs. Mika wakes up at some point, but we don't know what time that is. And he goes looking for Katie with the camera. He finds the back door open. He goes outside to find her sitting in the swing chair. And she looks like she's in this like catatonic weird state. He tells her that it's freezing outside. She's only wearing like a tank top and some shorts. He tells her to come inside and she says no. She doesn't want to go in. She's fine. Leave her alone. Mika says he'll get some blankets and stay out there with her. Then as he's going inside to get blankets, there's a loud thud that comes from upstairs. He calls out, who's there? Katie, come inside. He then goes upstairs to investigate and their TV in their bedroom is on on like a static channel. And I'm like, Samara's coming. Oh, no. Would have been great. No, <laughs> another one. And a great little cameo. 
<laughs> he goes to check their bedroom. There's no one in there. Then he turns and suddenly Katie is behind him. She asks what he's doing. He asks, what am I doing? What the fuck are you doing? She gets in bed and Mika starts explaining all of the things that just happened. She tells him to get back in bed. The next day they're looking over the footage and Mika's asking her if she remembers what she was doing. And she says that the first thing that she remembers was when she came upstairs. Mika is suggesting that maybe this sort of thing has been happening for a while. Katie says she doesn't remember anything except she had nightmares all night long. Uh, Mika says once again that they shouldn't call the exorcist slash demonologist because it will just get worse. Yeah, because everything he's doing is making it better, apparently. Yeah, apparently. But no, it's not. It's not helping at all, Mika. Go fuck yourself. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So the recording isn't working, so I don't, know, I don't know what else to do. We cut to Mika. He's bringing in a Ouija board. And I wrote, honestly, fuck you, Mika. And this was a, this is a fancy Ouija board. He didn't go like to Toys R Us to pick this up. It was it was nice. He went, to, he Did went you, on Etsy or something. Do you want the fun fact of where that Ouija board came from? Sure. You unlocked a fun fact. It came from Costco. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. Okay, Costco for my demonology supplies. Got it. Okay. Um, they got everything you need. They got candles for your seance. They got Ouija boards. And everything I could probably... Do they have the camera? Because I need to record everything for Costco. Oh, yeah. Don't products. worry. They, they got you covered there, too. I need the camera and talcum powder. That's the other thing I need. That, I'm not sure. But they, they definitely have some baby powder, which is technically very similar. Works for me. Katie's saying that she's so excited to get out of the house and have a nice night. And then she stops like dead in her tracks. She's off camera. She was coming down the stairs. And she's like, what the hell are you doing, Mika? She reminds him of his promise. And he's like, no, I promised I wasn't going to buy a Ouija board. I didn't buy one. I borrowed it. I stole this from Costco. So there. (laughs) And Katie's like, how dare you? You knew exactly what I meant. And this is where I have my long note. And I'm like, ladies and gents. This is what you call a toxic, unsupportive partner. If your significant other treats you this way, then you need to fucking run. (laughs) Mika is the worst. And I love how she's all dressed, ready to go on their date night or whatever it is. He's like, come on, we have 10 quick minutes. Let's get with this. Come on, let's do a quick seance. We have 10 minutes. We could could fit this in before dinner. Just your, you know, casual, quick seance. Maybe the demons will order some food. We could bring it back for them. It'd be great. Come on, we'll all be good friends. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> no, okay. we're not getting Mexican again. <laughs> Somewhere else. I don't like sushi. Keep going. Katie tells him that she doesn't care what he has to say. He's throwing that board away. No more cameras. No more nothing. And they are leaving right now. And he's like, whoa, chill, babe. And- what are you so mad for? Stop overreacting. Come on. Yeah. Ugh. She's like, I don't want to hear it. And I say, go, Katie. <laughs> The camera continues to record uh, the Ouija board after they leave the house and the Ouija board's on the coffee table. We hear heavy footsteps coming down the stairs and then a wind blows through their living room and it's blowing the plants and the curtains. And then the planchette starts moving around the board. They then, uh, then like a trail of fire comes out after the planchette and then we hear a faster set of footsteps retreating back up the stairs. Approximately four hours later, uh, they come home. Mika picks up the board and Katie starts yelling at him, what did you do? And Katie's super, super fucking pissed. She says, no more camera. If he won't fix this thing, she will. Mika is looking over the board and says it looks like someone drew on it. He calls Katie to help 
thinks that the thing left a message on the Ouija board and Katie comes out of their bedroom to say that she doesn't give a fuck what that thing said on the Ouija board and this is the first time that she's like cursing and you're like this woman's mad I gotcha and and Mika's like why are you so mad come on I'm just I'm just trying to help you out with your problem and you're yelling at me for it Ugh, what's wrong with you yeah exactly Mika goes upstairs into the bedroom and she tells him to get the fuck out he says whoa chill this is not the time for this. She tells him again to get out and she's just like seething and it's really great. She slams the door on him and then he giggles and he's like, I think she's pissed. You know what I wish? Yeah. I wish there was video of them at dinner because I want to know how awkward that four hour dinner was after that. Uh, I thought of like something that's like the opposite of that. But like, so I've told you before, my favorite rom-com is Less Than Jesse Forever. It's about this couple who they've been together since high school or university. I can't remember like their entire lives they've spent together and they're going through a divorce. So like within like the first scene, you find out that they're going through a divorce and they're at dinner with their friends and they're just like acting like super coupley still. They're like, Ooh, you should get the enchiladas so I can take a bite of your enchiladas. And he's like, no, no, no. We know your bites, they become many. And they're like having this like really cute argument. And their friends are like, we can't do this anymore. You guys are too fucking weird. You're getting divorced, but you're acting like you're a couple. Fuck this. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, opposite of that. But <laughs> I'm just imagining the people they were at dinner with being like, uh, fuck this. We don't want to be here. It's just very awkward. They should have just canceled. He's giggling that she he thinks she's pissed. We then cut to Katie in the kitchen. She's still pissed off. Mika asks her what he has to do, and she says, turn off the camera. He does, for once. We then cut to Mika. He's in the bedroom, and Katie's making him swear to... He says, I swear to adhere to Katie's rules and regulations of camera use and other things. Whatever. Is that good enough? And she's like, um, why don't you try being more sincere? He does a take two. He says the same things, but then he says, and not to offend this entity or whatever it is in any way, shape, or form, so help me God. And I promise not to betray Katie's trust. And still, does not sound sincere at all. Uh-uh. It's like when you tell a little kid to apologize. Listen, say you're sorry. Sorry. Nah. Yeah, exactly. What are you sorry for? <sighs> sorry that you're mad and I have to say I'm sorry. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. So Katie's still being cold once they get into bed. But then she warms up over like a 20-minute period and they're chatting. And Mika asks if she wants to know what happened with the Ouija board. He watched the tape and she's like, no, I just want to go to bed. The next day, Mika is out there being, you know, Detective Mika with his notebook, looking over the footage of the Ouija board and corresponding it with the board itself. He asks Katie for help. She looks less than impressed. He wants to know if she knows a Dina or a Diane, maybe a Nadine. (laughs) Immediately when it said Dina, I was just like, I've been watching too much Superstore. This is immediately where my mind goes to. They're needing to contact the manager, Dina. (laughs) Anyways, uh, she says, no, she doesn't know anyone by those names. And he then says, well, it could be so many different possibilities, or maybe this thing's just fucking with us. She says she doesn't care. He's done playing with it, and she wants it out of the house. Then we cut to the same friend. She's over again, and Katie's explaining everything that's been happening to her. She's offering for them to come and stay with her. Katie says that it's not the house. It's her. What, wherever she goes, it goes. And she doesn't want it to start going after her friend. Mika says that he has a plan. Don't worry about it. I got this covered. <sighs> we cut to Katie negotiating with Mika. And she says that he can have his powder 
And his little experiment, if it doesn't work or help, she's calling the demonologist. They, they bring this up later, but what? <laughs> How could this help? Because we cut to Mika. He's pouring baby powder all over their hallway and like up to the doorway of their bedroom. And she's asking as he's doing it. And exactly what is this going to prove? Well, if anything walks here, it's going to leave a pretty good footprint. And then what? Can someone explain? Yeah, because they don't have baby powder in his feet. And uh-huh. it would have to leave to take a shower. Right. Okay. So if it's in the shower, it can't hurt you. Because we've switched out our water tank with holy water. <laughs> no, but it won't take a shower there because it feels funny about that kind of thing. So it'd have to go home to like hell or whatever and shower there. Damn, the holy water trick isn't going to work. It's not. No, it's not going to work. And what if the ghost or demon or whatever doesn't walk? Like, does it have to walk to move around? Like, um, it's what it, it can float, it can fly, it can possess. It doesn't need to walk, right? So I, I do agree with this, but at the very least, they keep hearing footsteps. So fine. Good, good point. But still, what if it sees? Hmm. It see. I see powder on the ground, so I'm just gonna float over this. And then stop my feet somewhere else. Katie's saying that she's pretty sure they've already established that there's something happening. So tomorrow she's going to be making the call. And then, you know, the Backstreet Boys immediately comes into my head. But <laughs> my own issues. <laughs> An improvement to the movie. Just saying. <laughs> just, I'm making the call. Listen, baby, I'm sorry. A full-blown music video would have started now. I might have upped my score a little bit. Uh, yeah. The teddy bear comes in for a cameo, you know? Oh, it'd been great. Come on, that teddy bear deserved the bigger role. It really and truly did. He says, babe, take a deep breath. Maybe a pill. And she's like, excuse me? He's like, let's figure out what we're dealing with. And Katie's rightly pissed at him with his attitude. And this is where I wrote, why the fuck is she still with him? No one knows. It's a mystery. It's it's a total mystery. (sighs) Really and truly. I wouldn't have been surprised if this, spoiler alert for the lodge, if this in the end turned out that like Mika was doing all this to her just to like make her think she was crazy. <laughs> he was just like this abusive piece of shit boyfriend. You know what? That would have been an amazing twist. Like, haha, nothing was ever happening. It was Mika all along. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, you know, that would have redeemed the movie. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised because he's just the worst throughout this whole thing. And he goes, babe, I've been doing my research in my picture books. That coloring book is very informative. Yeah. I'm taking care of this. Nobody fucks with my girlfriend and gets away with it. You can pass me a PBR. God. Ugh. <laughs> and he's like, what do you, what, you want to call the exorcist? And she's like, yes, I want to take care of this. And he's like, no, this is my house. You're my girlfriend. I'm going to take care of this. How? Would have been the next question. How? How yeah. are you going to do this? How? Please. Have you started like seminary school and you're going to become a priest and exercise this thing yourself? Like what is happening? Because yeah, yeah, some to go outside for a fight isn't going to cut it with this one. It's not going to work now. We're at night 17. It's 3.15 a.m. and we hear heavy footsteps. They both wake up and they see the footsteps leading into the bedroom, but there are none leaving the room. They look like dinosaur footprints, I wrote, and I'm like, wait, 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 are they being haunted by a velociraptor? Uh, They look like chicken feet to me. Okay, okay, there, chicken feet too, but like, I don't know, it reminded me of like dinosaur footprints and I'm just like, this would be the best because like the noise that they heard the one night where like it was like this like growling and then like the huge thunk sounded like a sound effect from Jurassic Park. So I'm like, hold on to your butts. We got a, we got a theory. We got a theory, let's go. It could be bunnies. No, um, 
Mika follows the footprints down the hallway. They notice the attic ceiling tile in the closet is askew. Mika gets a ladder and he goes up to look inside the attic and Katie's freaking the fuck out. Mika finds something stuck in the insulation. He comes down and it's a burnt photo of Katie as a child in front of her old house, the one that burnt down. Katie's very emotional about this. And when she gets back in bed, she's just crying. Yeah, they had lost everything in the fire. There was no way that picture could have showed up there from a house that burned down when she was like like 10 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Eight. The next day, Mika's lighting up the footage and then he can see as each footprint is made, which why this does nothing. <laughs> Like, see, they made these footprints. Like, we know. We saw them. Like, we, we, I don't know what this is going to do for anything. Demon, Can we call the exorcist now? Yeah, Katie's like, I'm calling the demonologist. And she has the phone and she's starting to dial. And Mika's like, no, things are under control. I'm making progress. And Katie's like, no, you fucking aren't. Things are getting worse. <laughs> And she's like, get over it. She calls the demonologist. Turns out that he's not available. So she calls the psychic to come back instead. We then get footage for night 18. At 3.53 a.m., the light in the downstairs hallway turns on. And then we hear loud footsteps coming up the stairs. Mika wakes up and the door slams shut. Katie wakes up and Mika gets out of bed. There's banging at the door. He opens the door. There's nothing there. He goes down the hallway and their bedroom door ends up slamming shut again while they're both in the hallway. Then it starts banging again and Mika opens the door. Katie's refusing to go back into the bedroom. She's begging Mika to just go downstairs instead. Mika eventually convinces her to come back to the bedroom. And then the next day, Katie's on the couch and she's wrapped up in a blanket. Mika's telling her that she really needs some sleep. And she says that she's so scared she can't be in that bedroom anymore. We then cut to a scene of both of them eating in the kitchen. And they hear a really loud bang and glass being broken. It's coming from upstairs. So they go running upstairs and they find a picture of them smashed. And Mika's face is all scratched up in the picture. And he seems to be very upset about that. Like, why is my face scratched? What's going on? What's happening? Why is it only my face that's being scratched? Come on. Katie then is saying there's something there. She can feel it breathing on her. And then we hear this deep breath and we see her hair move and she runs down the stairs. Mika starts checking the shower and things. And then he asks Katie if this has ever happened during the day before. And she says, no, it's getting worse. I know. I'm making progress, babe. Come on. Yeah. I'm making progress and making it worse. Okay. It's great progress because it's so much worse. Just God. Katie nervously is waiting for the psychic. And then when he gets there, he immediately says that he can feel that it has gotten worse. He has to leave. And this thing does not like him being there. He can't help. It's doing more harm than good with him being there. The demonologist will be back in the country in a few days. If they leave the house, it won't help them. And then he just pieces right out. This has to be one of my favorite parts of the movie because he literally shows up to this house for two minutes. He walks in like, ooh, this is bad. I got to go. Like, help me, please. Like, no, I got to leave. I can't. I'm not trying to help you. I'm not trying to do nothing. He goes, I'm going to help you. Bye. Bye. I got to go. Never, never to be seen or heard from ever again. Exactly. But like based on their first meeting, apparently it's like an hour in traffic for him to get there or whatever. And he's just like, yep, nope. Peace. Yeah, bye. I got to go. Sucks to be you. We cut to Katie. She's sobbing in bed. She's so tired and so scared. Then it's night 19. At 1.34 a.m., a breeze lifts Katie's side of the blanket up. Then at 3.04 a.m., the upstairs hall light turns on. There's a tapping noise and the light turns out. A shadowy figure passes over their bedroom door and something rustles near Katie. She wakes up with a gasp. She wakes up Mika and says, I just felt him breathing beside the bed. Mika gets out of the bed and looks in the hallway, then comes back to sit on Katie's side. 
She says she can feel that he's still there and that there's something wrong. The next morning, Katie says that she can feel that it's watching her. They need to do something. They watch the footage and Katie says they need really need to do something. Nika says he's done his research and he found a woman named Diane. And that's one of the uh, the possibilities from the Ouija board. In, she's from the 60s and all the same things that are happening to Katie happened to her. When she was eight years old, her house burnt down and she was seeing shadows and whatever. She called an exorcist and Katie starts looking at this like angel fire website. Of- oh, was, oh man, you be, I was going to say GeoCities, but still same difference. Yeah, just- <laughs> it was just like a horrible like early 90s website. Like this was this was takes place supposedly in 2006. Yeah, exactly. That website was clearly from like 1995. Just... <laughs> I mean, she died in the 60s, so maybe, like, her family put up the website, like, when the internet first was created, and, like, have not been back to this website since. What they should have done is gone to the bottom and, like, kept on going down the web ring to the next site on the ring, and then see where else it would have gone. That's a very old reference there, but yeah. Okay, so Katie's looking at this horrible (laughs) website, and there's pictures of this possessed-looking woman. Mika says maybe it's the same thing and that it's jumped to Katie. Maybe it's trying to warn them and they they use the Ouija board to do that. Katie asks what happened to her. Is she okay? Mika says they tried to get rid of it and sometimes that just makes things worse. Before the exorcist got there, she wasn't like this. She was just hearing voices and having bad dreams. Katie asked, how did she die? And then they start watching the video. So like the woman in the video goes from looking kind of beautiful and like normal to looking like Reagan from The Exorcist. (laughs) As I said, the original cut of this was way longer and it was way more disturbing. I mentioned it had footage of her biting off her own arm. It was pretty gnarly and intense and really creeped me out when I watched it. But this version that we watched today didn't have that at all. Basically, their conclusion is that it's not worth the risk to get an exorcist. And then Mika approaches Katie as she is studying. And he says that he has an idea of what they can do. And she asks him to leave her alone for five minutes so that she can actually study. And he's like, hey, chill out. I'm trying to talk to you about some ideas. And Katie says, you... And your camera are the problem. Yes, Katie. Yes, they are. Get rid of him. She's finally seen the light, but she still stays. Yeah. Mika gets super pissy at Katie and tells her to go have fun with her friend upstairs. And then we cut to Katie's on the floor sobbing hysterically and Mika comes to comfort her and she's apologizing to him. Don't know for what, but okay. Such bullshit. And he has been the jerk the entire movie. You know how usually like characters go through an arc? He goes like through a ditch. Like his character just like... Honestly, like, he's just such a toxic partner and, like, it's emotional abuse, really, that she's going through with him and then also this demon. And I just feel so bad for her. She doesn't deserve this. And I'm talking about Mika. I'm not even talking about the demon part. Like, she she deserves better. Yeah, Katie seems like a perfectly lovely person. Yeah, she seems fine. Totally nice and normal, but no, this this dude, jerk. Some bullshit. But anyways, we're at night 20. 4.31 a.m., a shadowy figure crosses their bedroom door. Something invisible pulls Katie by the foot out of the bed. She comes to while she's sitting on the floor, and then uh, the thing starts to drag her out of the room by her foot. She's screaming for Mika, and the door slams shut. He runs after her, and he's screaming at it to let her go. Eventually, he gets her, and they both run back into the bedroom, and he's cradling Katie on the floor. Then the next day, Katie's on the couch, and she's saying, or like maybe it's later that night, I'm not sure. 
Katie's saying that she doesn't care. She just wants to go get out of here, drive somewhere. And Mika agrees. They're going to get a hotel. They're not staying another night here. He then asks her if he can film her back. The first time that he asked her for consent for something. Anyways. Not like it would have mattered. She just said no. He'd be like, okay, I'm not filming. That's a standby light. So anyway. Yeah, exactly. She reveals that on her back, there's this horrible bite mark. In the morning, Katie is sleeping on the floor, kind of, or like maybe in a trance. I'm not exactly sure. Then Mika notices that she's holding a cross so tightly that her hand is bleeding. Mika yeah. then hulks out. And he's like, I've had enough of this shit. Ugh! I'm taking care of this right now. And he drags Katie off screen and then it cuts to him starting a fire. And then it shows that he's burning the cross. Don't know how that would have helped, but okay. Yeah, like not burning the Ouija board or like his stupid demonology books and like whatever. No, no, no. We'll, we'll burn the cross. That's good. Because that's what's causing this. That's what the cause of this all is. Mika says that the car is packed. Let's go and get the fuck out of here. Katie's all tucked up in bed and is now saying that she doesn't want to go. She thinks it would be better if they just stay. And Mika's like, what the fuck? Then he like leaves like irritated and Katie says to herself, I think it will be okay now. And then she smiles and closes her eyes. We cut to night 21, which is October 8th. At 1.27 a.m., Katie sits up abruptly in bed. Then she stares at Mika and then slowly gets out. Oh, sorry. The covers are slowly like pulled off her. And then she gets out of bed and she goes to stare at Mika and the covers are pulled off of him. Then she goes over to his side of the bed to like stand over him. And she stares at him until 3.14 a.m. Then she slowly walks out of the room and downstairs and then begins screaming these horrible screams, screaming Mika's name. And he goes running after her. And we hear him scream too, and then almost like demonic scream from her, and then there's silence. It's followed by these very heavy footsteps coming up the stairs, and then Mika's body is hurled at the camera. Katie walks into the room behind him, and she's covered in blood. She gets down on the ground and like sniffs his body, question mark? I wasn't really sure what she was doing there. And then she looks at the camera and comes right up to it, and her face changes to a demon face with, like, this demon noise, and then it cuts to a black screen. We get more white text, and it says, Mika's body was discovered by the police on October 11th, 2006. Katie's whereabouts are unknown. The end of movie. I can't even say credits. There's, like, no credits here. It was just, like, the one copyright thing, and then that was it. Which they did on purpose to make it seem more like found footage. Very Blair Witch-like. So I've already mentioned there's different endings to this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason that there are different endings is that Steven Spielberg convinced the filmmakers that they needed to change the ending. I'm not saying Steven Spielberg, Spielberg was right, but if I was no, a nobody and Steven Spielberg told me to change it, I might that opinion might carry a little bit of weight. But I think he was wrong here. So the original ending... After Mika goes down the stairs, Katie returns to the bedroom bloody with a knife. She then sits on the floor by the bed and she rocks back and forth for hours and hours. It's sped up. You then hear her friend come by and find Mika's body downstairs. Later, police come in and then they enter the bedroom. Katie stands up and they see the knife and they ask her to drop the knife. She doesn't, so they shoot her and she dies. I liked that ending more. Then they did this demonic face one for the theatrical release and they filmed one other ending. So oh, this, this is what I don't know about. All right. The third ending, Katie comes back up to the bedroom, closes the bedroom door, and then slits her own throat. That's dark. So those were our options for endings. I really, like the first cut that I saw of this, which was the director cut, I guess, 
was the best one, I think. I found it really well done and creepy. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube or something somewhere. That- yeah, but it's like beyond the ending. Like, as I said, like the only things I remember that were different were the video of the possession and then like the ending being different. But I feel like other things were kind of different too. And I really liked that one. But is Mika less of a jerk in any of the Absolutely other not. No, maybe? Mika's always a fucking jerk. <laughs> okay. Making sure. Just wondering if he had any redeeming qualities. Maybe they, those got edited out on purpose or something. Yeah, no. Um, well, the actors weren't given scripts, but they were given guidelines of how to behave or what to discuss in their scenes. So I guess like how to behave was just like, be a fucking dick, Mika, and that's all we need from you. All right. All right you're going to be a douche. What about tomorrow? Still. What, am I going to get better? No. Still douche. All right. Got it. Always a douche. Always at 11 with the douchebagness. <laughs> Always. Always at 11, yes. Other interesting facts about this movie. The filming only took 10 days to complete. It was filmed in the director's home. Then my last fun fact is that when they were originally screening this movie, they found that people kept on leaving halfway through. And they're like, oh, shit. It's a shitty movie. People don't like it. They're leaving. And then they started interviewing the people. And apparently it was just too intense for them that they were leaving. <sighs> I, uh... Maybe they saw a different movie for me. I don't I don't know. Hey, like, A, you're watching this years after it came out with all the spoilers and knowing what happens in the movie. You also watched it in the daytime. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah. So, I feel like it was a completely different environment why these people were scared by it. I did miss one other fact. All the effects were practical, which I always love. And there aren't really that many effects in this movie, so to speak. No, but I still like it when it's not all CGI. But anyways, that's the movie. What would you change, Jeff? Um, can I just... Uh, I hate having to destroy movie whole cloth, so I won't do that. But man, do I want to. <laughs> All right. Mika could still be a jerk, but not so much of a jerk, I guess. Not to be actively looking for his death. Maybe... I'm not going to say he's going to try to be helpful in the situation, or whatever he's doing is going to make it better. But at least have him do something besides recording and press and throwing baby pot on the floor. And they actually did the Ouija board is a bad idea, but screw it. Make them say, make Katie say, hey, you know what? Let's do it. I want to see if we can do something to stop it. It's not going to work, obviously, but still. But here, every time, let's do Ouija board. Everybody tells him no. He goes, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm Mika and I run the show. Maybe the demonologist could show up and, you know, that just, the demonologist get killed or something could happen with that. Because they already set that up with the video with the on the GeoCities website about when they tried to get the exorcist. It didn't help. It just, you know, she still died. They could still do something like that. Or And maybe, number one thing, maybe they should have something happen before 10 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the biggest scare is when she gets pulled out of bed, right? And then that's about a, yeah, it's about an hour 12 or an hour 13 or whatever. Yeah, the, it's night 20 and there's only 21 nights. So you don't have to do crazy things in the beginning. I'm, I know they want to show it ramping up, but hey, that door moving six inches forward and back was nothing. Uh, chandelier moving like two weeks later or whatever it was also like something else, you know. Yeah, I agree. The scares could have been bigger for what happens at night. They, they could have done more with maybe Katie instead of her just, even though her standing creepily looking over Mika is is creepy, have her do that maybe one night. Maybe that's night 10. Actually ramp it up. Don't have it at two and then try to go to eight when there's five minutes because the movie's almost over. Mm-hmm. I agree. As I've said, I find Paranormal Activity 3 to be the best one because they have strange things like constantly happening in it and like it builds more 
and I like it. My, I'm having the same problem you had at Saw, where I'm like, mm, how do I fix this without fucking up what they set up for the next movies? A more starring role for the teddy bear. That's what you would have fixed. Yes, uh, the teddy bear should have been conducting a murder with the spider on his on his shoulder or something. It would have been great. They have a big ass house <laughs> that, we, that we see three rooms of. My argument is like when I ever I go to my parents' house, it's like they use four rooms out of like this like huge place that has all the bedrooms because they used to have a really big family that all lived at home, and now it's like we don't go into those rooms. <laughs> it's not like they had twenty bedrooms or th- they had three. You know, one could have been an office. You know, one could have been her beating workshop. Yeah, but maybe they like to hang out on the ground floor together while they do those things. Yeah, because Mika seems like the cuddling type. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just, if this movie did not have sequels and it continued on with the same, like, family and the same premise and, like, that sort of thing, I think that actually it turning out to be, like, Mika fucking with her the entire time would be a much more interesting movie. Because when he dies, I'm happy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. There's no part of me that's like, oh man, poor guy. No, you're we're jerk the movie. It was more like he got his comeuppance in it, more than him being a victim of something. Yeah, he had every opportunity to do something about it and just didn't do it. Did the exact opposite every time. I do completely agree with that. It was just he's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think he can't get worse, he just does. Like he just does the entire movie. No matter what situation he's in, he does the actual be the most worst toxic thing he could think of at that moment. Pretty much. And the um, amount of times that he tells her to just chill or take a pill or meh. If my partner talked to me the way that Mika talks to me, they would not be my partner anymore. Mika talks to you? Oh, man. Oh, yes. He talks to me every night. Oh, does he whisper your name from the other side of the bed or something? Just like, Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen The Lodge yet? I have not. Okay. Spoiler. We, I've already said spoilers for The Lodge, but. Yeah. Okay. So um, that movie, I didn't like it like overall because it wasn't scary, but I did like the concept. So it's um, basically this man, he had an affair with this woman that he was writing like an article about. She was, had been part of a, a cult and like she was the only person that survived this like cult that like they all committed suicide. And um, basically, he leaves his wife for this woman, and then his wife kills herself, like, in the first few minutes of this film. And then he's just stuck with, like, his kids and this woman, and he decides, like, within a year, like, it's, like, the first Christmas without the mom. And he's like, yeah, um, the girlfriend wants to know you guys better, so I'm going to, like, bring you all up to our, like, cottage in the middle of nowhere, and you're going to stay with her for a few days because I have to work, and then I'll come back for you, like, at Christmas. And so, spoiler to the ending, they basically trick this woman, like, gaslight her the entire time, and they, like, have, like, recordings, like, playing in the house of, like, her father's voice, and, like, they take her medication away from her, and, like, all this stuff, and make her have a complete mental break, and at the end, she kills everyone. So, Hmm. if that was like happening in this situation i think that could be a really interesting movie that would have yeah that would have been interesting way more interesting than what we got what do you rate this film my mind is telling me two so i will go i don't know if like i don't want to go with the one just yet because it wasn't it wasn't a watchable i'll go you know what i'll go i'll go three because it's i'll go three so two give me some leeway room with the with the rest so three (laughs) fair enough i so if I were to rate it the first time I ever watched it, I, I really liked it. And I would have rated it probably an eight back then. 
But on my watch today, we're going to do a 4.5, I think. It almost got a 5, but then I just remembered how much I fucking hated Mika throughout this whole entire thing, and I had to dock it a little bit more. How did you? How did she get with him and stay with him? I'm confused. Where are we going to go next week? Amazingly, we will be going somewhere <laughs> where you wouldn't expect us to go. We'll be going to Paranormal Activity too. <laughs> Say it ain't so. All right, so next week, guys, the sequel to Paranormal Activity, Paranormal Activity 2, creative title. Technically prequel. The next two films are both prequels. Oh, they're both prequels. I, I knew two was. I didn't know three was also. All right, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so Paranormal Activity 2, we get to see uh, Katie's sister and her family. And then in Paranormal Activity 3, we get to see them in their second house after their first house burnt down when they were kids. All right, let's, let's, let's see where it goes. So, we, well, well, I guess we'll find out if we ever see old, well, not old, but I guess of age possessed uh, Katie on a murder spree or whatever the demon has her doing. Whatever Pazuzu wants, I guess. Um. I uh, Sometimes I'll like talk in this little demon voice to my cat and then Raj asks me, who, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's my Pazuzu voice. <laughs> all right well in the meantime folks if you want to join us on social media you can find us at series of horrors podcast on facebook and instagram we would love to hear your feedback yes and if you want to reach out to us on a more personal level hey you can always email us at series of horrors at gmail.com always happy to hear from you guys yeah and in the meantime have fun enjoy your hauntings at home (laughs) and we'll see you next week bye guys have a good week bye